0: Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Met Andy a few months ago. And uh, had the privilege and opportunity of, of having a lunch with him. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book. It's about to be published. And uh, it's about spiritual gifts. And I thought this was really interesting because right about this time in our, I talked about this last week, in our sermon series calendar, we were going to talk about now what? I'm gifted. Now what do I do? And I hit a pause for us and said, you know what, this is really cool. And then he went over uh, the content of the materials, and it took me back. Because I've been in church my whole life, pretty much. I went to Bible college, and I'm not sure that I've heard anyone teach spiritual gifts in this way. So it was a little bit of a stretch for me. But here's what I appreciate about Andy. Andy. Everything I know about him, he is faithful to the Bible and to scripture, and it just comes through, and he wants it to be practical and applicable to every single person. And on top of that, when someone teaches, I would say um, for all of you, when you listen to a speaker, I hope that that teacher oozes humility and i see that in andy and so i am very honored to have him here today we are blessed this is his first speaking opportunity since his book came out so uh we're the test guinea pigs here uh but thank you for being here and let's give a nice hope church welcome to andy reese
1: thank you thank you so much Well, it feels like home here, so I don't feel that much of a guinea pig, but uh, still. <laughs> I, I love New England, I tell you what. I went to school in upstate New York, and it always feels like coming home to people who are a little bit, they're, they're not as genteel as Nashville people, and I love that. It's like, this is home for me. I, I'm visiting Nashville. Um, Thank you for that that very kind introduction. Uh, I'll try to live up or down to that. Um, <clears throat> i was uh, we had a great a great time yesterday we We went uh, three hours about this, so I'll just repeat that today so we're going to be serving food in about an hour and a half and <laughs> put in orders and pizza will be anyway no <clears throat> i'm going to just um, hit some highlights and, and it's, it's only going to be about the spiritual gifts part of this, um, but uh, you'll be able to talk to each other sometime during this, this thing and, and check in with each other. This all got started, um, I was about 32, 100 years ago, and um, uh, I got asked to be on staff at a church, and I was like, you know, I'm an engineer and geeky, and I thought, they, they don't want, no, you know. And, and I did this whole thing, and, and I um, uh, mouthed off to God, basically, is what I did. I, I said, Jesus had a book written about him. I mean, you know, he had to go through the bad stuff, but I, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my, am I supposed to go be a preacher? I mean, come on, why don't you tell me? You know that sort of a thing, and uh, got on this this uh, twin engine. You know how long ago this was? A twin engine prop from um, Indianapolis to Nashville, where I'm where I'm from. And um, as I was sitting there, I was still bratty, and um, God said to me, it kind of in that that way where thoughts come, and you know they're way better than you could have come up with, you know. And you go, okay, I'm gonna. Th- I'm going to go with that's you right now because you kind of put me on a spot. You know, he, he said, um, Oh, I need to stay behind. the Oh, sorry. I didn't. And if I, if I go back here, I fall in a pit right here. So I, I- you got me right here. Um, yeah. Uh, Roger, if I go in front of the tape, go. <coughs> okay, thanks. We go way back. Um, and so we got on the plane. And I began to kind of get these thoughts of, um, you know, I, I created you, I knew you before you were formed, all your tears are in my bottle, all your hairs are numbered, which I'm less trouble than most of you in the room, um, and, and I have plans for you, and they're, they're good plans. Um, and um, I was not really buying it. <clears throat> and just then, a lady across the aisle screams, the plane's on fire, the plane is on fire, <clears throat> and um, I looked, I was across from her, and I looked, and there were flames shooting out of the engine, and smoke, and and of course everybody on my side leaned over to that side, so the plane went, oh, which that was horrible, you know. And so here we are, and um, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, was it a really short day's numbering? Is this it? You know, I was just kind of a kind of a thing, and I was, you know, my heart was just pounding in my chest, and the pilot. Um, uh, or co pilot, maybe, throws the curtain back so you know it wasn't like a locked door plane. This is back then, guys. So, anyway, throws the curtain back, walks down the aisle, looks out the window, and goes, now this is recorded, goes, oh, sh, that word. <laughs> now, you do not want the pilot to say that at a time like this. You know, it's like, don't worry, this happens all the time. We're trained for this, we'll all be okay. He didn't say any of those things. And so people just got, people were crying, people were screaming. It was, we landed. They, they foamed the runway. They foamed the plane. They, they whisked us off of there. But, but in, before we landed, just before we landed, God whispered to me in a way that was almost you know, just one of those where you turn your head. He goes, By the way, it's not written you're going to die today. And I was like, oh. And then being a brat, I said, it, I, I thought to myself, I didn't say it, but I said, And not be hurt either, right? I mean, <laughs> my complexion, I don't, you know, that, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, so we were, So I said to people, don't worry, it's going to be okay, which you can imagine the looks I got, like, shut up, what? You know, just like, oh, idiot. So we landed. I'm sitting on the runway and um, began to think about, you know, so I was being bratty about my future, and then I almost died, and now I'm sitting on the runway, and I said, okay, I'm, I'll listen now. <laughs> and um, this verse came to me, Ephesians 2.10, and it says this. Sorry, I didn't mean to. It says, you, you are his craftsmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, to do certain things, which God the Father prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And oh, by the, it doesn't say this, but you think about, okay, if I'm walking in it, oh, by the way, I've got power tools for you to use as well. As you're walking in them, I will be with you. And, and I thought... I'm his craftsmanship. He's a, he, you know, his son was a carpenter. It's probably probably good. You know, I'm probably okay. Um, don't feel that some days, but probably okay. <clears throat> I'm created in Christ to do certain things. In other words, when I was saying, what's my purpose? You know, what, what's, you know, all those kind of big things and you go to, go to high school and you take all these tests and everything, and, and it hit me right then and there, Andy, your only purpose is to is to listen to my son Jesus and do the things he's called you to do. And I thought, I don't have to like decide if I'm gonna be a physicist. I mean all those things are helpful, but really on a day-to-day month-to-month basis, you 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 get up and you say, Jesus, I'm part you're the head of the body, and that doesn't mean like the head of the board the board of executive directors for the church no it's the brain of the body and this little finger right here is so connected to this brain right here that everything this finger feels does and all the coordination with the other fingers and scratching right here the brain plays a role in that and god said to me jesus is the brain in the body and you're your body part don't worry don't worry, I, I I know your days, it's going to be great, I know who you are, I haven't, I haven't made up stuff for you to do you're going to hate. And so um, I thought about that, and, and over the years, um, I, I kind of kept thinking about that, <clears throat> and um, the book came out of that thinking. So let's go to the next slide, uh, The yeah. <clears throat> So this is Paul, and and this is Paul taking that Ephesians 2.10 verse and expanding it. And he says, now concerning, and that first thing is spiritual gifts, that is not the word. The word is concerning things of the Spirit, pneumaticos, things of the Spirit. I don't want you to be confused. Now, most of us would go, well, I sort of am confused about what I'm supposed to be doing and the gifting and, and how this all works. And he says, I don't want you to be confused. Now, look at." He lays out a four-part structure right here of the spirit world. He says there is and I think the word here is yeah, I use numeric standard. He says varieties of gifts, charisma gifts and one spirit. There's varieties of ministries, of things you're called to do, and one Jesus, who, who's like handling that. The spirit is handling your gifts. Jesus is handling what you do. There's varieties of outcomes, the way things happen. Uh, God causes all things to work together for good if you love him and are called according to his purpose and one Father who does that for you. And you go, oh. And he says, now, on the other hand, and I think in the Greek it means you idiots, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> he says, on the other hand, you Corinthians, um, he says, the thing you are all concerned about, the, 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 your crazy disordered services and, and talking over each other and, and the craziness, they probably had bigger problems than just what they asked about, maybe they need counseling or something, but anyway, um, he said, yeah, there are power tools too to help you do these things, but they're, they're, the, they're the least, the first three things I gave you are the structure that you need to learn to live in. Then these other things will come along and they'll make way more sense, mostly out in the world where you're. You're, you're, and you've all experienced these. You just don't realize it because they don't have to be spectacular. They're just supernatural. And and you're you're in a conversation. You say, God, would you help me? And you get this thought, and you and things work out. And you walk away. And God knows that He breathed a thought into you. And if you if you pay attention, you go. That was you, wasn't it? I mean, that, that, that was probably you because I'm not that smart, really. So that could have been you. you know. And, and there's always, that could have been you. And God says, I, I don't need to get the glory. I have all the glory I need. I want you to feel the pleasure of my love for you. And if you're doing the works you're called to do, you know I'm behind you 100%. You know I'm there. You know I'm there. So how do we find... Um, the works that we are called to do, and go to the next slide. So, <clears throat> the 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 first part of that four-part structure, Paul says there are gifts, and one Holy Spirit who gives you gifts. So, so you each have a gift, and the word varieties varieties of gifts is this crazy Platonic Greek word diakon, whatever it is. Oh, brain, keep going. Okay. It means a. he takes everything in that category, this is how Plato discovered knowledge and wisdom, he took everything in a particular category, put a wall around it, looked in the category, divided everything up into categories, this is how grocery stores are organized too by the way, You go down the bean aisle, every bean is in the bean aisle, unless they paid a lot of money to get it up front, okay, it's in the bean aisle. So, so, Every gift is in you know, the bean aisle of gifts, so all, all of the spiritual gifts are in there. And then you analyze those, think about them, and then you gain knowledge. It's called diarosis analysis. And so Paul did that, and Romans 12 is his analysis of spiritual gifts. Okay, So when you look at this list, and there's seven... There, and I'm going to organize them for you in just a minute, and then we're going to find out what your gift is, okay? So these seven cover every need in the body. If you look carefully at that list, there are three serving gifts, there are three speaking gifts, and there's a leader. So the serving gifts are one who serves, which meets physical needs in the body, one who shows mercy, which meets emotional needs in the body, and one who gives, which meets resource needs in the body. That's the three kinds of needs we all have. I need help with stuff. I need someone to encourage me when I'm down. Last night, my wife called and said, I'm going to the hospital, or yesterday, right, right as we were starting the teaching. And I was just like, part of me goes, I should get on a plane. And the other part of me went, not today, Satan. You know, it was just kind of that, that thing... And, and this group who was there, everybody just gathered and prayed for her. And I was just like, hell no. You know, and, and on we went. And she said, yeah, uh, they did a million tests and kept me overnight. And they said, honey, there is nothing wrong with you. And I didn't want to say it's all in your head. I did, you didn't want to get into that discussion. But, but she said, I'm, I'm great. She said, I'm going for a walk. And I said, yay, God. So, so there's, there's giving gifts one who shows mercy that's that's my wife and one who serves you can always tell the one who serves cuz they got a pickup and a trailer okay that's it's, it's just that guy the speaking gifts are one who teaches one who encourages and then the prophet one who sees what's not quite right and will help you to see it and those are the three kinds of speaking everybody needs everybody needs teaching and I don't mean like up up here teaching. I mean standing at the kitchen counter teaching your kids how to beat eggs, okay? And we all need teaching in every part of life. No, no teaching is greater or lesser than other teachers. We all need teaching. We all need encouragement. We we all get a little discouraged, a little confabulated, and, and, and we need somebody to say, Look, honey, I know you. This is gonna work out. I know God, this is gonna work out. Let, let's walk together, you know. We need we need a phone call. Oh, thank you. You know, we need that from each other. And when we're going astray, when we don't know, when we've made a mistake, we need somebody who can see what's going on, loves us enough not to just look the other way and say, that's not my business, but to say, we're brothers and sisters, it is my business. And will come in very, very gently and show the error that you're making. See, if you had three people who would serve you like that and three people who would speak to you like that, life would be great. And God says, I want you all to have three of those kind of people, three of these and three of these in your lives, and I want you to do it through ligament relationships. Ephesians 4, we'll talk about that in a minute. Unbroken relationships. And unbreakable. Flexible, unbreakable, dedicated, I love you, not for what I think you are, but for who God says you are. That's the one I love. And and when we have relationships like that, Church is really great, so so Paul says these things, and you can see that he lays out seven gifts there, and so we're going to organize those gifts into the poof. P- poof. Oh, it's behind me. It doesn't show. Ah. Um. Am I in your way? Should I shrink down like this? Oh, you can see it. Um, so so when you take everything... So Peter and Paul both talk about the gifts. And Peter says there's two kinds, speaking and serving. Peter says we're stewards of God when we use these gifts. He says... Uh, he, he calls the gifts of God the multicolored grace of God or the rainbow-colored grace of God. And you think about that, you say oh, wow, there are seven gifts and there's seven primary colors. How many colors are there? A billion. Okay, there's, there's, there's unlimited, you know, you go one, whatever the wavelength measure is, and you're, you're into a new shade of color. And so the seven aren't all the colors, they're just placeholders for all the blues. Blue is a placeholder for a billion blues. Red is a placeholder. And, and Peter says, that's how gifts work. These seven things, speaking and serving, are placeholders for a gazillion variations of gifting that all somehow fit in this circle. Everyone has this covers all the needs of the body, everybody need, and you sitting here, primarily are motivated to serve or primarily motivated to speak. Okay? Now you might think, well, I could do either of those. And and as you get older, you have done so much stuff that it's harder to sort it out. But you, you uh, taught this to a bunch of college kids, and they were like, I know exactly. You know, it's like, meh, meh, meh. so, meh, um, <clears throat> So everybody has an arc in this circle. You're not just in one of those things. Your arc, see, my arc is mostly an encouragement, but the tail of it, or the front of it, I don't know, goes into teaching. So my exhortation is mostly through teaching. I have a friend whose who's arc in exhortation slides over into one who shows mercy, and they are just the most encouraging human I've ever met. I mean, they, when, they, when they realized that was their gifting, they began to focus on that. Because when I know what my gifting is, and I begin to focus on that, two things happen. One is, I begin to get traction in life in a way I've never gotten traction before. Secondly, God begins to show me the works he has prepared for me to do. Remember years of workmanship, great in Christ Jesus, four good works? When you get to heaven, this is what's going to matter right here. Other things won't matter. Four good works. I, I think because God is so gracious, probably the question will be, how many Easter eggs did you find? You know, It's like, like these works aren't hidden from you, they're hidden for you. And you'll start small. If you're faithful in a little, I'll give you much. If you're faithful in that which belongs to another, I'll give you your own. If you're faithful with money, I'll give you spiritual authority. Remember the parable of the minus and the ten- That's how it works. And so, <clears throat> so we then have these works, and I have a gifting that positions me to look in the right direction for the works. So your charisma gifting is a lens that you see things through, or it's a motivation in any situation. Something might happen, and people will react differently, and you go, they each reacted according to their gifting, according to the motivation that's in them. And when I understand my gifting, then it's like the radio tuner becomes crystal clear, and you begin to hear God in ways you've never heard Him before you begin to relate to the father in ways remember he said <clears throat> says god causes all things to work together for good what a crazy promise all things to work together for good if you love him and are called according to his purpose this is his purpose his purpose is know your gifting and begin to pay attention to what jesus has set before you and 20 years later you go you look back and you go oh my gosh this is all connected i i was like a kid doing a dot-to-dot drawing, and I didn't really know how numbers worked, and my mom kept saying, now after one four is one five. Go to one five. And at some point, the kid goes, that's a hand. Oh, there's a hand over here. And they, and they, and they want to go back here, and you go, no, 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 one six. Oh, there's an elbow. And, and eventually, they come back, and, and that's what Paul was doing in Damascus. He was over here connecting dots on what the book of Romans was. He wanted to be over here being a big-shot teacher, but he had to run for his life. That was God's mercy. And each of us go through times of God's mercy because he knows what you need to succeed in the work he has for you. Absolutely knows it. And if you understand your gifting, that is step one to coming into that. Now, if you know nothing about this, God still loves you enough that, that you, you get provoked in the right direction. You know, it, it happens. But it happens uh, not quite as easily, not quite as directly. And that's why I think this is important. And that's why I ended up writing the book. I... I, I I kind of figured this wheel out maybe 15 years ago and tried it. I tried it on 200 college kids. <clears throat> and... Um, is that... Which timer is my timer? It doesn't matter, keep okay, thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Roger. <laughs> the boss is out. We got time. You're good. Bring coffee. Um, I'm going to stop in just a minute, and we're just going to quick do this thing. But um, I taught this to a, to a college class... And I, I'm mostly nurses, a lot of nurses. And at the end of it, um, everybody left. And there's this girl leaning against the wall, crying her eyes out. And I'm like, "Oh, Andy, you broke another one." And it's like, I, I walked up there, and there's another girl with armor. And I said, "I said, let me apologize ahead of time." Now, what's going on? She says, "No, oh, no, it's not you. These are happy tears." And I said, "I'm going to use your story at a church meeting." So, <clears throat> and she said, "These are happy tears." <clears throat> she goes, "I'm in nursing. I hate nursing." I have no bedside manner. I don't want to be a nurse. Bedpans freak me out. I, 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 I don't like to be around sick people, honestly. And I said, and? And she goes, I thought to myself, why am I even here? And when you talked about the one who serves or the one who shows mercy, I was like, that's not me. I'm, I'm not that. And then, and then she began to say something else, and the other one who was standing with said, and when you talked about leadership, I hit her on the shoulder and said, that is you. She said, I suddenly realized I want to be a nurse, to lead nurses, organize nurses so that they get a better shake in life. And she said, if I hadn't known my gifting, I would have been confused about why I felt drawn to nursing. Now she goes, I know exactly why I'm drawn to nursing. I'm calling my dad and saying, forget that last phone call, I'm staying in college. I thought, if this can do that for us, isn't that great? And I, I think it is. So, <clears throat> So here's the arc. Everyone has a, or, or the circle, everyone has an arc that, that is, is this big. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't f- maybe fill a whole thing, but it can spill over. You tend to live in one place on this circle, but you can visit a lot of places. Uh, when the tornado blew through Nashville, I'm an exhorter, it wouldn't have made any difference for me to go out and say, everybody work hard, you're doing great. They would all say, shut up and get a shovel. You know. So, so, <clears throat> so I was a, one who serves for three days helping fix plumbing and, and do on houses. But I live one place, but I can visit a lot of places. Now, in the book, and I'm not trying to sell books, um, if you would love a book and don't have the money for the book, take a book, okay? The, the, this is because I, I want you... Uh, to be able to read it, because there's a lot more things here than I can than I can ever do. Um, <clears throat> so y'all have an arc in the circle. Okay, now how do I find my arc? I'm going to ask you three questions, and then I want you to turn to somebody and say, "Here's what I think the answers to those questions were for me." Okay. Um, question number one: uh, Hey, um, the city council is meeting on Friday. I know it's Wednesday. The city council is meeting on Friday, and and every month they have someone come in and talk about something that that they think the council would like to hear about. Whatever they want to talk about, it's, so the topic is open. You're going to talk for about about thirty minutes to the council, and I know it's Wednesday, but the speaker on Friday canceled. Um, would you be? It's going to be televised, and the mayor will be there, um, and Trump. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, would you be willing to, see, I'm watching, heads going. <laughs> so, would you be willing to, to give that speech? Okay, so now, <clears throat> the first thing you feel before you start to reason, before you start, is the first thing you feel, no, and your friends would go, yeah, that's not you. Or is it, even with a very, very nervousness, I, I maybe could, maybe, maybe, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it, okay? So, so so that that gut feeling puts you either in probably the one who serves category, no, I'm not doing that, or the one who speaks category, okay? So start there. Now, uh, next, next question, and let's go to the ones who speak. Um, the pastor is going to give you uh, a shot next week to teach on Sunday morning. Would your sermon be, number one, <clears throat> Um, this is a great church. We do so many amazing things. I love what it is. And there's this one area that I've been watching and watching and kind of hope that we grew into, uh, and, and that would really help us. And I want to talk about that area, because I think it's important for us to consider it. Or would it be, I found this pattern in Scripture that's crazy good. There's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. And those were the temptations of Eve. Those were the temptations of Jesus. And Jesus showed us through praying, fasting, and giving how to resist these three major sin types, the the sin we all face. It's a crazy pattern, and I want to talk about it. See, would that kind of be your sermon? Or would your sermon be, there are people in this congregation who make this place run, and we don't even know who they are. And I have secretly planted people next to them, and some are getting dragged away from kids' church to come up here, um, because I want to bring them up here, and I want us to say what we love about them to their face, because they, they get no help at all. Would it be a sermon like that? So if you were a speaker, which of those three would you go, that would be more... Now you might say, no, I, I could do all those, but, but just think about your, your first thought which of those three would probably be, be me? The first one is the one who prophesies, because the prophet is all about, is it, is it right or is it wrong? And they can see a spot of, of gravy on a bride's dress from 50 yards away walking down the aisle. You know, that, that's, that's who they are, you know, that's the kind of people that, they, you know, if they're really nice people, they won't say anything, okay, but... Others say, nah, did you see that?" Okay, so that, that's the one who prophesies. <clears throat> the one who, the one who teaches, is all about not right and wrong, but true and false. False teaching, misleading use of Scripture, just drives teachers crazy. Saying something stupid, you know, that just it just drives them crazy. And so that's the one who teaches. Uh, and then the one who exhorts is all about, are you coming into the destiny and purposes of God for your life? Or are you falling short? Is there something holding you back? I want to I wanna help you. So, so that's that side. So you can think about, uh, if, you, if you're a speaker, now kind of zero in which of those three might be. And now, now, you're, now you're on the left side. You're kind of zeroing in. Okay, if you're not a speaker then you are part of a waitstaff in a, in a big, fancy restaurant, and there's a group of businessmen there, table of 12, business people, probably business women, actually, but business people there, and they've all ordered frou-frou drinks, really expensive frou-frou drinks, and the restaurant is crowded, and it's been 20 minutes and no drinks. And they're going... Um, and you're standing there, and you're nervous, and they're nervous, the rest of the staff is, and you know that one of the young waiters is in there getting the drinks. All of a sudden, the door opens, and out comes a waiter with the drinks. And, and the waiter is walking with the tray, and the table looks up, and they're starting to smile, and the waiter's coming, and goes, ugh, and the drinks spill on the floor. See, some of you are going, <laughs> spill on the floor with a clash, and a clatter, and shattered glass, and drinks and ice everywhere and those little umbrellas floating in the drinks and and you're standing there the table hushes the restaurant hushes the person is standing there the glass and stuff is washing under the table is your first thing i'm going to go to the person and say this it's okay this this could have happened to anybody cuz they must feel horrible or is it it's a mess we got to clean up the mess Hey, I know you feel bad, but come on. we got to clean up the mess. Now, in New England, there's probably a lot more people. Like <laughs> get, clean up the mess. Let's get going here. in the right? Clean up the mess is your primary motivation. Or is it they were waiting for drinks, they paid for drinks, and now we don't have drinks again. We need, I'm going to go to the kitchen and get drinks, and we're going to comp the drinks to this table. We need to deliver what we promised to give them. They, they needed that. So, if you're not in the speaking, but you're in the serving part, if the first one, which is to go to the person, you're probably one who shows mercy. Now, I just have one words here, but it's, they're all one who. One who shows mercy. You're not a mercy. You're one who shows mercy. That person would go straight, because the person is the thing to them that matters. Now, we might think that's very noble, but... Every one of those three matter. That's why there's three kinds of serving and giftings, so everything gets covered. So if you go straight to the mess, you're one who serves. We need to clean up the mess. If you go straight to the kitchen, you're one who gives. We need to give what was promised. So when you think about that and those questions, let's take about two minutes, maybe three minutes, and just turn to each other, and say this is this is what I think and this is what I think. If they know you, you know, give a little feedback. And just just ready go. Just turn to somebody and, and say, This is what I'm thinking. <clears throat> And give the person, if you know them well, give them feedback about that. And it is, it is okay to be unsure. Absolutely okay. Okay. <clears throat> That's good. Now, what you've just done is you have taken a first step a first step in understanding your gifting. And the next thing that you should do is to begin to pay attention to the things that happen in your life. And go to the next slide. Do Uh, yeah. Okay, don't read that. I'll just talk about it. So the next thing in that four-part thing is once I get a sense of my gifting, I say, Jesus... What do you want me to do? And Ephesians four explains how all of that works. You're His workmanship, remember Ephesians two ten. And this says Jesus will measure out a responsibility to you, and He wants you to use your gifting, and it'll match your gifting. And you should look around and say, Okay, I have a sense of my gifting better than I've had before. Where should I volunteer? the worst thing you can do is get a sense of your gifting and go back to your old life where you're not really looking to lay your life down for other people. And that's so easy in older people. It's like, I already have a lifestyle. I ain't changing. You go, no, stop. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm 70. So, you know, stop. Let's, let's say, Jesus, when I get to heaven, you're going to ask me how many of the works that were prepared for me did I walk in? And you need a good answer for that. And I was busy at golf is not a good answer. You can play golf. In fact, you can do all these things at golf. Golf is the way men encourage each other. Men lift each other up. Men confess their sins, not just a bad shot, but a bad decision in a golf cart. So it it happens in life more than it happens in church. But church is a really good way to start and Tom didn't make me say this, to start volunteering for things that seem sort of in your gift area. Because in church, if you mess up, um, people are gracious, and they'll help help you to grow in your gifting. But honestly, 98% of everything about your gifting in, in the world will happen not in church. It happens in life. It happens on your job. It happens in relationships. Because why? That's where, that's where they're needed. That's where life is needed. That's where believers are needed. And once I understand my gifting, you just watch. Okay, go ahead. Keep going to the next one. Um, go to the next one. <clears throat> nah, just go to the end. <laughs> Ba-ba. Okay, just stop there. And so the next part of that four-part structure is, is the Father causes all things to work together for good if you call it currents purpose. You, if you start down this road, and, and I've been at it now for 20 years, and I have more stories than you can imagine, but when you start down this road, you begin to see Sneaky Dad working in the background to help you. That's, that's what my, my best friend calls, one of my best friends in Nashville calls God the Father, Sneaky Dad, because it's like... Yeah, I was in this conversation. All of a sudden, sneaky dad. I had a thought. I said it. The person said, I was just thinking about that and pretty soon we're praying. And father's up there going, it's my girl. See, sneaky dad wants to work with you. And and in the book, there's like 50 verses and examples of how that happens. Also how it it happens with Jesus. Um, And so then sneaky dad is there. Then when those three things are in place, I, I understand my gifting, I'm experimenting and trying it out with Jesus, right? I don't, I don't do things for Jesus, I do things with Jesus. We don't do anything for God, we always do things with God. He never sent anybody to Africa, ever. He said, I'm going to Africa, want to come? That's how life works. I'm going to the neighbors, I want you to, I want you to come, I need you to, talk, to speak for me. Um, There's that person by the side of the road that you pass a lot. I want you to bring them coffee and sit with them for ten minutes because you're my voice. And you go, That's kind of scary. And God goes, Yeah, isn't that great? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Gotta depend on you. Ha! If you only do things you can do, then how does it ever get to be glorious? It's just good. Right? And so and so there's God then, the Father. And and you begin to understand that He's not God Almighty who looks like Abraham Lincoln in Washington, D.C. He's Abba, God, my best friend, who does crazy good stuff for me and is the one who said, come boldly into the throne room to find grace and help in time of need. When you're in trouble, when you're the grossest, he wants you the closest. You know, that's just, that's God. And you don't need to knock and you don't need an appointment. And if your picture of Father God is some great white thing or he doesn't even have a face and you're far away, uh, in the book we show a way to do this, but ask yourself, I know some of you are going, ooh, this, you're, getting, you're messing now, right? God will show you how your picture of God is not who he really is, and he'll show you how to transition and transform your life because he wants you right here, right here. Jesus said, the Father and I will make our home in you. Better clean up the house. <laughs> you know, God's moving in. Holy Spirit's already been there. And then the, then the last thing are these, these manifestations, the things that you know, cause us some, some consternation if we see them misused. Every one of those nine manifestations, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues, all of those things are like power tools that are available to you when faith meets need. Every one of them. Those, they are never called spiritual gifts, though half the world calls them, maybe two-thirds of the world calls them spiritual gifts. They're called phanerosis manifestations of the Spirit. And they are established as this array of things that when you are using your gifting in something Jesus calls you to with the Father and something happens where you suddenly need to know something, all of a sudden you go, huh, Wonder how I knew that? That's called a word of knowledge. It's not. You don't have to say, "Thus saith the Lord." You don't have to do anything spiritual. That ruins it. Just, just take what He's given you and go with it. I, I can tell you, I can, and this works. This is at work too. This is not. If you seek first His kingdom, He is going to. You're going to. You're going to see some spectacular coincidences happen on your job. Why? Because you're seeking first the kingdom, and the Father goes why wouldn't I make you successful? You're my child. I'm, I'm your dad. You think I don't want my kids to be successful? Come on. Yes, I do. And it just, it just kind of opens up a, a whole new world. And yes, that is the chart from Heck. Um, because some of you in here are as geeky as me, and you need a chart. Um, but it's in the book, and you can, you can just Go, go past that page if you want to, but I build the chart throughout the book. But this is how the structure of the spirit world works, just like this. And so you can look at that chart, and you can go, huh, okay. All, everything on that chart is for you. Everything on that chart is something you can access, something you can use. So with that, um, there he is. Come on, guy boss man (laughs) anyway i i'm just so thankful for this church i'm i'm so thankful that that for some reason god took took a clunk like me and said how about writing this book and i i put it off for years i was worse than noah but anyway and and finally it's come out and and it was written miraculously Somebody called and said, you should write this book. And Chosen said, I want to publish this book. And this great prophet guy said, I want to do the Ford. And then the president of Lipscomb University, the most conservative university in the U.S. said, I want to do endorsements, and two of my professors do too. So it spans from charismatic to, to total conservative, and it has the support of everybody in that whole spectrum, which I'm like, how in the world? That was you, wasn't that, Papa? That was you. Anyway, thank you.